Last week, for some reason, we did not record. I still don't know why, because at the end of church, I just went in and did the same thing we normally do, and it worked. <laughs> so it is what it is. <laughs> so we're going to be in Luke chapter 11. It's doing the second half of what we started last week. So if you were missed last week, you can't listen to it on the, on the website because it didn't record. So let's go in prayer. Lord, we ask you to bless this time as we look at your word. Show us what you would want us to see from this section of scripture and help us to follow you in all that we do. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read back through starting at verse 37, which is what we covered last week. And, he, and as he spake, a certain Pharisee besought him to come dine with him, and he went in and sat down to meet. And when the Pharisees saw it, they marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. And the Lord said unto him, Now do you Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness. You fools, did not he that made that which is without make also that which is within? But rather give alms of such things as you have, and behold, all things are clean unto you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you make a tithe of mint and rue and all manner of herbs, and pass over judgment and the love of God. These ought you to do, to, to have done, and not leave the others undone. Woe unto you, Pharisees, for you love the up, uppermost seats in the synagogue and the, great, and the greetings of the markets. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are as graves which appear not, and men that walk upon them are not aware of them. Then answered one of the lawyers and said to him, Master, you saying, th thus saying, you reproach us also. And he said, Woe to you also, you lawyers, for you have laid men with burdens grievous to be borne, and you yourself touch not the burdens which you one of yours with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you have Build the sepulchres of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. Truly you bear witness that you allowed the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them, and you built their sepulchres. Therefore also said the wisdom of God, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will slay and persecute. But the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation, from the blood of Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, which perished between the altar and the temple, verily I say unto you, I shall, it shall be required of this generation. Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key to the knowledge. You enter not in yourselves, and them that would enter in you hinder. And as he said these things unto them, the scribes, the Pharisees, began to urge him vehemently and provoke him to speak of many things, laying wait for him, and seeking to catch something out of his mouth that they might accuse him. So we have a long set of scriptures here. Uh, and Jesus pronounces six woes on them. The first ones we, the first three we talked about last, last week. Jesus told them, you're, you're very careful about the littlest details of religion and forget the mercy and grace of God. He goes, and then we talked about, he says, you, you, you tithe even your herbs down to the smallest seeds of your herbs you're tithing, but you're not taking care of the people. He then went on to tell them that you like to be recognized. You like to be, take the best seat in the house, you like, and you're not humble. And then his last woe that he looked at on this was that they are like unmarked graves. You bring uncleanness to everything that you do. 
And that's where we left off last week. Uh, we spent a long time getting there, but that's where we left off. And then one of the lawyers in the crowd at this, at this lunch goes, uh, Jesus, when you say these things about them, you're making us look bad too. How many times is that the statement of churches and, and Christians? When you criticize these people doing all these good things, you're criticizing us as well. One of the problems that we have in the church is twofold. Either we close our eyes completely to the needs around us and say, well, that's outside. We're just going to do things in our church. Or we kind of pretend to give lip service to it all. And we do programs to help it and not let God be the one that's in the center of everything. Now, programs aren't necessarily bad in and of themselves, but if it is to be of God, it cannot be a program. And one of the problems that I have seen is uh, people will come up with this really good idea. God gives them a great idea for their church to do evangelism. And this happened in the Southern Baptist Church, and I'm not going to go into the details of it, but they put out together, one of the churches put together a really good, really good program. It was very successful with it for them. And what did they do? They took God's program, packaged it up in this nice, neat little package, and started selling it to other people, telling them they had to use it in just the way that God had told them to use it. And if you changed it at all, you couldn't use their program. And I'm going, okay, who gave you the program in the first place? If it's God's program, who are you, number one, to even sell it? And then who are you to tell people how they can use God's program in their church? We need to be very careful about how we act. Am I saying that program is, was bad? No, it was a very good program. It was a good way to evangelize. But I've told you all, if you've taken any of the evangelization, evangelism classes with me, I have taken so many evangelism classes that I mix them all together and I use whatever part God tells me to use on the day that I'm talking to somebody. And I might mix them all up together in one big, one big presentation. I don't have to go from point A to point Z step by step because I'm listening to what God says and you know it's very sad there are a lot of churches that if God actually stepped into their church meeting you would never know it because he does not have any control now we tend to do the same thing over and over again but I'm very easy to switch it around if it comes down to it but there are churches that are so programmed that if God stepped in and said I want to do something different They'd go, ah, can't do that. We've got a time schedule to keep. We've got a television, scan, uh, television schedule to get done. We have to be done in one hour. We can't let God talk. We can't let God come in. We need to be careful that we don't regiment our lives. And I'm that type of person. I've told you all. I used to be so regimented, I could tell you what I was going to do five years from, from that day on a particular day because my schedule was that strict. That's not a very godly way to be because when God would step into my life, I'd get irritated. God, what do you mean i got to go do something else or this is going to happen? And because of my irritation, I wasn't open to the divine appointment that he put into my place because of the stopping of my schedule. So we want to be very careful about this. And this man is saying to him, you're making this uh, end. And Jesus' answer to him was, you have put burdens on people that are so heavy and you're not even stepping in to help them. If you're burdened by trying to live the Christian life, you've got a problem. Because I'm going to tell you one thing off the top of the bat, you cannot live the Christian life in your own strength. 
Doesn't matter how much you try, your flesh and, and your body is going to get in the way. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, for it is easy. He says, cast all your cares upon me, for I, he cares for us. We need to make sure that we're understanding we cannot keep God's lifestyle without being crucified. He wants to crucify our flesh. And when we're standing in the crucifixion of Christ, living in his power and his strength, he has taken the burden of the yoke and we're just along for the, along for the ride or along for the walk. Because we're yoked up to Jesus and Jesus takes the burden on us and we're just there next to him. It is so easy to live the Christian life when we surrender to God and we are crucified in, with him and then he does all the work. Now, I'm not going to say everything's perfect. We're never going to be perfect, but it is an easier walk when I'm doing it right. If I'm trying to do it in my strength, I'm going to get upset. I'm going to get irritated because I am going to fail over and over and over again. And not only will I fail, I have failed over and over and over again doing things in my strength. So Jesus is telling the scribes, the Pharisees, that you guys are putting burdens on everybody that they can't keep. And he says, you're not even lifting a finger to help them. And what he's basically saying is you can't keep them either. And it's really sad. We get saved by grace through Christ. And then what's the first thing we want to do? We want to find, give me the 10 simple rules to live, by, live your way, God. God, just tell me what I have to do now. I'm saved by grace, but tell me what I have to do now to earn and keep this. And unfortunately, there are lots of churches that will help you out with, well, if you just don't lie, you don't steal, you don't gamble, you don't go to the movies, you don't do this, you don't do that, you wear the right clothes, you, you don't wear your, your certain clothes, you wear your hair just right, these will get you into heaven. Now, the problem is I don't find those verses in the Bible on how to get to heaven and, and 10 easy steps. The only steps I see is accept the gift of Christ. And then he will crucify the flesh. He will fill me and he will change me from the inside out. And the scribes, Pharisees, the lawyers, they kept putting all these rules on them. And the Jews had it down. They, they apparently had counted every law in the Bible. They counted 613 laws in the Bible. I would hate to try to obey all 613 because I can't even keep the Ten Commandments that I know about. And then to have another 603 laws on top of that, I'm sure that we probably break many of those laws. I am very happy that we live under the grace and liberty of being in Christ. Now, when we say grace and liberty, that doesn't mean I can just go out and do all the sin that I want because I'm under grace. Matter of fact, if somebody tells me that they can go out and sin all they want because they're under grace, they don't know Jesus Christ in the first place. But grace does allow me liberty. It gives me freedom. It gives me a joy to follow God because I'm not burdened under all these things. All I have to do is listen to him. And this is what the scribes, the Pharisees, did not understand as they walked with God. They did not understand that it took his grace and his liberty to go through on this. And you know, their accusation is, you're making us look bad. The second woe that he gave to them was, you honor the prophets, you build these monuments for the prophets whom your fathers killed. 
Now it's one thing to build a monument to support somebody that is a hero that you really looked up to. It's another thing that he actively had killed the person and then said, now we're going to build a monument to them. And he's saying, you are honoring these prophets whom your people have killed. And even the scribes and Pharisees were going to do that to Jesus. They had already done it with, with uh, John. They had turned him over to the authorities, John the Baptist. They're going to do it to Jesus. They're going to do it to James. They're going to try to do it to Peter. They did it to Stephen, turned them over and killed them. Why? Because they made them look bad by looking at grace. Have you ever said something to a family member in a workplace, in a gathering, where you stood up for God and all of a sudden you were attacked? How can you say such a thing? Maybe not physically attacked, but verbally attacked. How can you say that that was wrong? How can you say that you're right? Are you holier than ever? You think you're better than us? That's the big thing they like to say. You think you're better than all the rest of us because you, you believe this way? No, I'm just telling you what God says. The unrighteous world is going to attack. The other problem is the hyper-spiritual self-righteous side is going to attack. Because when you tell them things that doesn't stand up to what they believe, they're going to take it personally. Just as the scribes and Pharisees took it. They took it very personally. They were the, in their eyes, they were the epitome. Everybody was supposed to look to them and follow what they did. They were, they were the super elite of the, of the church. You know, do what we do. And actually what they would usually say, do as we say, not as we do which was even worse. And here's Jesus criticizing them, saying, you don't even know the heart of God. You look good on the outside, you've been cleaned up real good on the outside, but your heart is wicked. Your attitudes are wicked. And this is something that's very important for us. Why do we do what we do for God? Why do we give a tithe? Why do we help the poor? Why do we evangelize? If it's something that I feel like I'm obligated to do, I must do this or else, I'm going to tell you stop doing it. You're doing it for the wrong reason. It's not going to get you anywhere with God. We desire to serve God. We desire to help him out in this world because of who he is and the grace he gives to us. You know, and I've talked to people oftentimes, well, I don't go to church. It's just too much work. It's full of hypocrites. I go, well, I go to church to meet with God's people and with God himself. I love coming to church. I have always loved coming to church. You know, not because of the music. Sometimes the music is irritating. You know, but the music is not for me in the first place. It's for me to worship God. It, you know, sometimes the people are irritating. <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes I'm irritating <laughs> to other people. But why do we come to church? To be with God. You know, can I be with God everywhere? Yes, I can be with God anywhere. And I love talking to people who go, well, I can worship God while I'm on the lake fishing. And I'll go, absolutely, you can worship God while you're on the lake fishing. Are you? And most of them aren't, and they know they're not. But the real answer is, yes, you could be on the lake fishing, you know, worshiping God. You could be out camping up in the mountains and worshiping God. You could be out at the beach playing on the, in, the, in the ocean and worshiping God. 
But we all know that most of us are not doing those things when we're doing those activities. And so do they. They're just using it as an excuse. And so what is the burden being placed on them? Why are we doing what we do is so important as we go through with all of this. And he says, we're honoring, we're honoring God. We, you know, we're recognizing the prophets. We're building, we're building great big monuments to them so we can go worship them. And God says, no, your fathers killed them and you will kill, you will kill them in, in your time. Now, how would you like to be that? You know, you're, you're at a nice, wonderful dinner and the guy's telling you you're guilty of murder. You and your whole, whole clan are guilty of murder. You are guilty of being self-righteous people that aren't following the rules. You can understand that this made everybody in that dinner, that dinner place very happy. They were excited to hear this message. Uh, and there's no love in this message, apparently, from what he's saying. He's just speaking out straight facts. And the last one he tells them, you lawyers have taken away the key of knowledge and enter not in yourself, and then, and them that were entering, you've hindered. What happens when people are self-righteous and, and everything? They go, it is so hard to come to God, and they start locking up the doors for those who want to come in. We need to be very careful to understand that God loves the world. I love John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Now, I hope that everybody you know is part of the world. If they're not, we've got a problem. <laughs> he loved the world and gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. How easy is it to become a child of God? You believe. Just believe. Now that belief has to be a real, honest, complete belief that is saying Jesus is the only way, he is the only way that I'm going to make it in. I mean, it's more complex than just saying the words. But how many people try to add a whole bunch of burden? Well, you know, you got to believe and. As soon as you start saying and, you got to be careful because they're going to put something in there. You got to believe and be baptized. You got to believe and come to church. You got to believe and give tithes. You got to come to be. Anytime you get those ands, you need to be careful because those aren't the things that get you into the kingdom of God. Now, they will be the, much of that will be the evidence of my being in the kingdom of God, but it is not what gets me in. And we want to be very careful about how we approach people. I've met many times when I've talked to people to go, well, how do I convince some, 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 uh, this person that what they're doing is a sin? And I've really surprised them over the years because I'm going, who cares? Why don't you talk, about, talk to them about the things that they know are a sin? And in our day and age, it would be something like, how do I convince the homosexual that they're, that they're living in sin? I really don't care to convince them that they're in sin. I can convince them that they've lied. I can convince them that they've coveted. I can convince them they've taken the name of the Lord God in vain. I've got right there plenty of things to get them to understand that they are a sinner that deserves help. We can get them saved and then God can work on them on those things that we don't know, know are sin. Because I'm going to surprise every one of us in this room. Every one of us has a sin in our life that we don't know is a sin right now. And you go, what? 
I've followed him for 50 years, and every once in a while, he'll throw something at the Word of God at me and say, this is a sin, stop doing it. God, I've been doing it for all my life. He goes, yeah, I know, and now you're going to stop. Because now you know it's a sin. I don't care what the lost world's sin is. I just want to get them to know that they are sinners. And they, there are sins that they'll know that they're a sinner on. So don't look at the things that you're really, really bugged by because they're a sin. Start convincing them that lying is a sin. You know, that's an easy one because if anybody says they've not lied, they're lying. And they know it. You know, even the most truthful person in this world that you've ever existed is told lies. Especially by God's standard of lie, which says to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. He goes, if you don't say something, you knew it, it's a lie. And how many of us have not said something that we knew was true to not hurt somebody's feeling? We've lied. Now we'll say, well, we're just trying to help make them feel good, or I didn't want to, I didn't want to stir the pot. Well, that's fine. You can, you can justify it all you want, but God says it was a lie. And we need to understand that. So he says, you are putting these burdens on people. And the church has a habit of putting burdens on people. You know, this is how you come to church. You know, this is, this is the clothes you must wear when you come to church. Have, ever, has anybody ever gone to a church where you felt so out of place because you weren't dressed right? Everybody was dressed the same way except for you? If you ever go to the South, in most churches in the South, you better go as a man with a suit coat and a tie, fully, de fully dressed out with a full suit. Ladies, don't dare come in and with dress slacks or anything. You've got to come in with your dress and everything. It's, it's changing a little bit. But they still have some very old-fashioned rules on how you must dress when you come to church. And I'm going, why? You know, Jesus wouldn't be allowed in most of those churches. You know, because he didn't, he didn't look the way that they wanted him to look. Oh, John the Baptist, he would have been kicked out in a heartbeat. You know, Wild-looking man, mountain man coming in, trying to go to church. You know, Get out of here. Turned away at the door. What is our thought process? What do we expect of God? It's very important. And the attitude of the scribes and Pharisees was just what you like. They're going, we really, really like this guy. Let's, let's, help him get it. let's help him along. No. They came in and they engaged him in conversation. Do you understand why they were trying to engage him in conversation? If you want to get somebody caught up in a trap of something that they do and get them to talk a lot, and eventually they're going to say something that can be used against them. This is what they were doing to Jesus, asking him lots of questions, getting lots of things, saying, all right, where can we get him to say something that is blasphemy? Where can we get him to say something that is not correct? So they were engaging him in conversation. And this chapter ends with a very interesting statement that they were laying in wait that they might catch him to say something out of his mouth that they might accuse him. From this point on in the book of Luke, the Pharisees and the scribes are out to get Jesus. Up to this point, they haven't been real pleased with him. But he hasn't said anything that has completely angered them the way this dinner has. This dinner has angered them so much now that from this point on, if you read the, the commentaries and everything, they call it the, years of the year of opposition. 
Everywhere he goes, they're asking him trick questions. They're trying to trip him up. They're looking for a reason to get rid of him. We need to be careful about people wanting to get rid of us. Really start looking to God. But I'm going to take it even further. Is there anybody you want to get rid of? Maybe that you're not looking to get, get killed, but you say, well, this person shouldn't be in the church. This person shouldn't be representing God. Look at your heart and make sure that your heart is in the right place. Now, there may be people out there that deserve that kind of a title. But I'll tell you, one thing about that, don't go to their church, don't listen to their shows, and you can, don't have to worry about them. God is perfectly able to take care of his children. I'm not going to go around condemning other people for what they do in their church. I have enough trouble taking care of myself. I have enough trouble taking care of this church. I can't be looking around what's going on other, other places and other churches. Now, I have met plenty of people that want to tell me about how I need to be doing my, 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 my ministry. And they're not even in this church, so they have no say in the first place. But I got one guy, he goes, well, I'm a senior, senior pastor. I, can, I really have some opinions. And I go, I really don't care. You're not in my church, and I'm not even in, your, in, in your, your sphere of influence, so don't tell me that what I'm doing right or wrong. Now, I respect him in one sense, but you know, you know, he can give me some, this is what I think you should do, that's fine. But don't tell me what I'm doing is wrong, because it probably is anyway, but, you know, uh, but we need to understand, nobody else can tell you what to do with God. We can tell you the word of God, we can tell you what's sin, but it's up to you on how you're going to respond. Now, and I don't want to try to run everybody's life. I can't take care of mine. I can't take care of Lynn's. I can't take care of my kids. You know, so I definitely don't want to add another you know, 13, 20 people on top of that. We are responsible for ourselves. The one thing good about Christianity, it's a personal relationship with God. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to hear things that are going to bug you. It's amazing to me that all these pastors on the radio get together and, and plan messages that are just what I don't want to hear all week long about what I'm doing wrong. You know, I know they're all getting together and planning this, and I'm being very facetious. I know it's the Holy Spirit. But I get plenty of people correcting me through the Holy Spirit. I get plenty of correction reading the Word of God every day. Know that you'd want to listen to God. Now, that doesn't mean you can't say something lovingly to somebody that, that you see a problem with. And I've always show, shared with you, the number one thing is you better be praying for them. If you don't love them enough to be praying about their issue that you're seeing in your life, you have no business talking to them about the problem. Because the first step is to, to pray. Then, once you've been praying and lifting them up, then you can come to them and say whatever it is God's put on your heart to say to them. But do it lovingly. And if somebody isn't loving, at least listen to them and say, is, is it valuable? Is it, is it really real, even though they were dumb in the way they presented it? Is it valuable? Because sometimes they may see something that is right and we have to consider. Even if they say it in the most unloving, aggressive, attacking way that they can, and, and we're all very godly, our first instinct when somebody attacks us is to love them and be nice to them. Now, I know that. That's very, that's very much my first instinct is to really be loving and kind to anybody who attacks me. Yeah. And uh, all of you know that that's not true. <laughs> my first instinct is, who are you to tell me this stuff? 
Then I usually sit back and try, okay, God, is there something in there that I do need to listen to? And I try to be nice to them even though they're being ridiculous. <laughs> but we need to be able to look at these things because sometimes people are having the right end goal even though they don't know how to get there. Listen kindly. Don't react because there may be some truth in it. There may be something you need to listen to as you go forward on that. But the scribes and Pharisees, they didn't like it. Number one, they weren't even God's children. They were following all these rules, and most of them were not looking to follow God. And now from this point on in the book of Luke, we're going to be looking at them trying to do harm. They want him arrested. They want him out of the way. Because what he says is not what they say, and the people are accepting what he says, and they're losing power. If you want to see a battle going on, watch somebody coming up in power and somebody coming down in power and see the battle, not usually on the one coming up, but definitely on the one coming down, trying to hold their position, desperately hold their position. And I don't care whether you're talking the church or religion or politics or business or anything else, when, some, when the power is changing, there is a huge battle that goes on and lots of collateral damage happens from those battles. People get hurt. So be careful. If you're the one raising to power, know that you're going to be attacked. If you're the one being removed from power, ask God what it is you need to be doing instead. It's not worth fighting in a church over keeping a position. It really isn't. Live by God's grace. If you're wrongly attacked, God will bring it up. If you are rightly attacked, God will show you if you stay humble and give you another job to do. And so this is something very important for us. Be careful as you go through all of this. Don't get caught up with the scribes and Pharisees living in externals, making it hard on others, and trying to protect your so-called position. If you're in where God wants you, he's going to protect you. And I love the fact that as long as I'm on God's side, doing what he wants, I have nothing to worry about. If I'm not doing what he wants, I still have nothing to worry about other than the spankings behind the woodshed. <laughs> but he is still going to be gracious to me because I'm his child. Jonah, running away from God, was taken back where he was supposed to go. Not in the most comfortable transportation, mode of transportation in the belly of a fish. Saul, being disobedient to God, was blinded. We can look through the scriptures and see all the people who are disobedient to God, and God says, no, we're going to get you back on track. We're going to put you where you belong, but there's always consequences for that disobedience. Lord, we ask you to bless this day. We ask you to bless us as we go forward. We ask that you help us to learn to walk in humility. Walk, let us learn to walk in the Spirit and listening to all that you do, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Listening, friends, where will you be when you die? We ask this question of a lot of people oftentimes, and the biggest answer we'll get is, I hope I will be in heaven. If hope is your answer, you don't know God, and that's is a problem. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of the sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If you do not know for sure that you're going to go into heaven, please, today, Make your decision to follow him. 
It is simply just ask him, Lord, I am a sinner. Please come into my life and save me and make him your Lord. If you said that prayer, let us know so that we can send you a new believers packet. You can contact us at office at chloridebaptistchurch.com or even pastor at chloridebaptistchurch.com or you can just send us a regular letter at Chloride Baptist Church, P.O. Box 65, Chloride, Arizona, 86431. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day.